Gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Great job last night. We had fun. Thank you. It was terrific. And thank you all for being here. This is uh, really a treat, and uh, we really appreciate you coming. What I'd like to do is launch a question to each one of you individually, but then ask you all to just chime in as, as you'd like. Congressman, I'd like to start with you, if I could. Uh, clearly, we need to get an energy bill passed this year or a bill that includes your tax incentives. Could you give us a read on the likelihood of that and, more broadly, the environment for passing meaningful renewable fuels legislation? Obviously, uh, after the election, uh, control of Congress changed uh, from the Republican side to the Democratic side. Uh, some applause for you, Colin, out there. <laughs> and so we still don't know yet. Uh, for instance, uh, the tax policy now is going to be chaired by Charlie Rangel of New York. And as Colin and I were visiting, I think there's going to be some, an education process uh, that you can help us with. Uh, it's important that your representative, uh, in, I guess a plug for my bill, H.R. 196, Earl Pomeroy and I have introduced this bill that would actually make uh, the biodiesel tax incentive permanent. You know, the fact is, uh, and I'm a farmer, uh, active farmer down in uh, southeast Missouri, uh, and a lot of plants are being contemplated on the drawing board. We've got to provide some certainty for you uh, as you're making those decisions about uh, parting with your hard-earned capital. And, of course, having just this piecemeal tax incentive, uh, you know, isn't that certainty as far as the bottom line is concerned. So uh, it's going to be an education process. Uh, the good thing is the best cheerleader that we have is the President of the United States, uh, a Texas oil man uh, who has been an, a, a very enthusiastic supporter of all biofuels. And so if we can get this extension or permanence through the House and through the Senate, uh, Obviously, the president would sign it. So we just need this has to be an education process for the incoming chairman. Uh, those uh, and Earl Pomeroy, I know from North Dakota, is going to do a great job of trying to make sure his chairman understands how important this is uh, for the future of agriculture. Thank you for that, gentlemen. Any thoughts on the general environment for renewable fuel legislation? Uh, oh, I would say it's very good. Uh, there are. We just finished the campaign. All of us were out on the hustings, and one of the things that always draws a huge applause line is when you say things like, we need to stop getting our oil from the Mideast and start getting our energy from the Midwest. Uh, people understand uh, the relationship between uh, energy policy and where we get our energy sources and foreign policy and uh, serious issues like uh, war and peace. So I think the the 600-pound gorilla in, in driving public policy is public opinion, and uh, the public wants to have homegrown American energy sources. Chairman Peterson, thoughts? Uh, well, um, they, yeah, Dave is right. The uh, American people uh, want to do this. And I've been uh, involved in renewable fuels for 30-some years. And that wasn't always the case. We've been up and down and all over the place. Uh, but right now, uh, the polling shows that 80 percent of the people uh, want us to do this. Uh, you, you know, we've got uh, a real challenge in the policy arena to get the policies right so that we can drive this 
this new opportunity in agriculture and in rural America. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to do that in the Farm Bill this year. Uh, we're hopefully going to write a very significant energy title uh, that's uh, going to move us on to new, uh, new horizons, if you will, uh, cellulosic ethanol, uh, biodiesel uh, is just kind of ramping up now. And uh, Kenny said if we can get the um, tax credits uh, made permanent, uh, that'll be a huge thing. Uh, you know, we've got work to do uh, in a lot of different areas with infrastructure and, you know, transportation, a lot of different committees involved. But uh, our leadership is committed to this. I think uh, the Republican leadership is committed to it. Uh, the people want this. Uh, so we just have to get this policy uh, right. One of the things that concerns me uh, is that every member of Congress, because of the public, now has discovered uh, ethanol and biodiesel. And every member of Congress is trying to introduce bills to help the industry. I had a reporter from Business Week tell me he was getting calls from members of Congress asking him, this reporter, what kind of bills they could introduce to help. Uh, one of the problems is that half of these bills would do more harm than good because a lot of these folks don't know what they're doing. They're trying to fix something that uh, was 10 years ago. So, uh, so that's our job is to keep this focus, to work with you folks so we get the right kind of policy. And uh, this is a tremendous opportunity for, uh, for agriculture, and it's the right thing to do for the country. Well, Mr. Chairman, you know we have some ideas about the right thing to do, and we're going to hit you up on, on, on those in more detail here in a second. Uh, Congressman McCotter. Well, well, first, I, I was glad to hear that the 600-pound gorilla has kept his January resolution and lost 200 pounds. But or, ordinarily, you find that government is very slow to react to technological innovation. This is no different. Uh, people like Congressman Halsoff, Chairman Peterson have been leading the way, and I think that Collins' point is very well taken, is that in the rush for government to catch up to technological innovation, if we are not careful, they will follow the rule government generally follows, which is this, if it ain't broken, fix it till it is. <laughs> I would hope that under the leader, people will be willing to follow their leadership, people who have been involved in this issue for years, so that we can do something that we absolutely have to do. We have to defund regimes that are not necessarily friendly to the United States. Every dollar that we spend on fossil fuels, every dollar we do send to the Middle East is a dollar that may just as likely be used to help undermine the interests of the United States. To have renewable energies here at home is not only a matter of securing our prosperity, it is a matter of securing our national liberties. So I encourage this and I thank you for what you're doing to make that a reality. Thank you. Chairman Peterson, maybe I can move the next discussion since you brought up the Farm Bill. I wasn't going to talk about it, but since you brought it up, uh, let me ask you some things about the Farm Bill. I think most of us in this room know that uh, the biodiesel industry was not started with the excise tax credit. It was actually started with the original uh, energy title in the last Farm Bill under the CCC program, the Commodity Credit Corporation uh, Direct Support for Production Program. That program has now sunsetted, and we are operating without it. Up until about six months ago, we had both of those programs working in concert with each other to really drive significant expansion in our industry. You're going to be heading up and leading the effort on the new farm bill. Can you give us a handicap for us a little bit, if you will, uh, the likelihood of seeing 
uh, additional support in the Farm Bill for biodiesel? <clears throat> well, one of the big problems we have uh, <clears throat> as we go forward is, is getting the resources that are necessary to do the, the right kind of policy. Um, we uh, rewrote the farm program in 2002, uh, replaced the safety net, and the program has worked exactly as it should. Uh, we actually spent less money, about $17 billion less than was projected. Uh, the baseline that came out a week ago is, uh, in the commodity title is down 25% from what it was in 2002. Uh, we have programs that have been either capped or sunsetted by the Appropriations Committee, uh, the Bioenergy uh, CCC program is one of those. Uh, so w we've got that situation up against the, uh, the new way forward here with uh, fiscal discipline where we are reestablishing PAYGO rules that we had from 1990 to 2002, which means that if you're going to spend money, you've got to identify how you're going to pay for it. So we have this baseline that's down, and uh, we have got to come up with money that uh, will pay for these programs. So the biggest issue we're going to have is, is getting the resources. We're working with the Budget Committee in the House and the Senate uh, the administration, uh, I think, is going to have some additional money, but not enough in their budget that I think is coming out today. Uh, so we have to get this baseline beefed up. We've asked the Budget Committee for a significant amount of money, uh, some of it for renewable fuels, some for conservation, uh, uh, those different kinds of areas. Uh, so in order for us to get this program extended, uh, we're going to have to get extra resources. So. The first fight is going to be to try to get this in the budget. Uh, they are starting to work on that now, and uh, they'll be done about, what, 1st of April, hopefully. And once we know how much resources, then we'll start figuring out, uh, you know, how to, how to put all this together. Uh, we're not sitting around waiting for April. We know what the issues are. We know uh, kind of what, uh, what we have to work with. So we're getting all the groundwork laid, but the 1st of April we will hopefully know the number and then we'll start uh, the process of marking up the, the bill and uh, clearly the uh, bioenergy uh, CCC program is something that's been very successful and uh, we want to extend it, but uh, people want more money for conservation, they want more money for the milk program uh, that's also been uh, terminated. Uh, so it's going to be a big fight, and we, we need you to uh, help us with your members of Congress to explain to them that uh, uh, the uh, Ag Committee and the Farm Bill needs new resources, and uh, that's going to be our biggest fight. Do you think there's an adequate, uh, just to follow up on this because it's such an important issue, there are 3,500 people in the room, and virtually every single one of them knows how critical that program is to our long-term sustainability. Do you yeah. think that's properly understood in, in, amongst your, your colleagues? Uh, no. Uh, it needs to be, uh, there needs to be a lot of education. Uh, I would guess if you went to members of Congress and asked them if they understood what this program is, uh, you might have 20 that know what it is uh, in any kind of detail. So there's a lot of education that needs to be done. I think on the committee we understand it. Uh, uh, but, and I'm not sure that all members of Congress need to understand the program. Uh, what they need to understand is that we need extra resources so that we can continue 
the other thing that's up in the air a little bit is that we passed H.R. 6 in the House, which changed some oil tax breaks and uh, leases and so forth, that if passed into law would give us additional resources for renewable fuels. So hopefully, somehow or another in this budget deal, we'll, we'll have resources that will be available for the renewable area. Now, we're going to be competing against the Science Committee, the Ways and Means Committee, uh, Energy and Commerce Committee. Uh, everybody's going to be going after that money. And what I'm hoping is that whoever comes up with the best policy is going to be the ones that are going to access that. And we think in the Ag Committee we're going to come up with the best policy. Uh, we think we're closest to this and we've got a good idea what to do. Um, to echo what Colin said, though, agriculture has a disproportionate amount of clout. Even though there are very few active farmers, uh, agriculture has it, – it's one of the few, thankfully, one of the few bipartisan or really nonpartisan committees on Capitol Hill. Uh, and, and the fact is, we've seen what works in the last farm bill. Farmers don't want to farm for government check. Uh, they'd like to farm for the market, uh, but we need a level playing field. Uh, you know, we need to, uh, to provide the safety net. I know one of the things you talked about was maybe instead of ad hoc disaster assistance, that we actually write that disaster assistance in the, in the farm bill, which again, provides some certainty. Um, so uh, agriculture is going to be in, good, in, in a good place. But again, we could use some help from the constituencies around the country to help uh, uh, reiterate to their member of Congress just how important this policy could be. Well, and around the country includes the Moto City and includes uh, uh, the Space Coast. Uh, do you think that there's an uh, adequate understanding of the uh, relationship between renewable fuels that are popular at the coast and in the center of the country and the Farm Bill and how important that is in uh, helping a uh, uh, biofuels industry emerge in the United States? Well, I, I'm not sure. My, my area of Florida is called the Space Coast. We have Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral. And by the way, when I get back, I'm, I'm going to talk to them about using biodiesel to fuel the next uh, space vehicle if we can. <laughs> um, they don't understand the farm bill. Uh, they don't understand the in intricacies of Capitol Hill. But I said it earlier. They want to end importing our fuels from the Middle East, from Venezuela. People get the connection between uh, a lot of the things that uh, Chavez is trying to do to undermine democracy in South America and his access to U.S. dollars. Uh, and they look at the long-term picture. And so they're very excited when uh, somebody like myself gets up, and I'm a physician, I, I don't have a background in ag, but just talks about biodiesel, ethanol, and other renewable sources, and, and people want that. There's a real hunger, a real craving, at least in my section, uh, and, and I can imagine all over the country now. So I think this industry, the renewable, renewable fuels industry in general, is really poised to blossom tremendously in the years ahead. And we clearly need... Uh, uh, common sense approaches in, in, as we move through these energy bills and renewing the ag bill to make sure as, as uh, 
Thad very eloquently said it, that we, we don't break a system that seems to be on track to really uh, step up and give the American people what they want. Thanks. Well, the fact that I'm here today, this simple country lawyer from Detroit, <laughs> is, is evidence, I would think, of the importance of renewable fuels, especially in my state, which has been devastated as it's the home of the auto industry through manufacturing job loss that we've experienced. And especially within the auto industry, the confluence of our national situation with our manufacturing problems in the state of Michigan shows that renewable fuels, alternative energies, are going to be the key to keeping employment and prosperity within the Great Lakes state. So I'm, I'm optimistic that our manufacturers understand this, that there's no longer the tension between renewable fuels and the manufacturing community, especially the auto industry. And as we've seen with Ford, which is struggling mightily at the present time, they're going towards their hybrid vehicles, they're going towards the edge, they're going towards the fusion. Is that if we can continue down this path, uh, Michigan and America can do for renewable and alternative energies in the 21st century what we did for automobiles in the 20th. I think that as President Kennedy pointed out, in every crisis there's danger and opportunity. I would hope that my home state and its manufacturing sector would seize this opportunity rather than simply see the danger and try to resist the innovative technologies that can save it. Well, picking up right on, on that topic, uh, many of us remember when a product called Gasohol was introduced uh, in the, back in the 1970s. Of course, the 1980s when funding all but dried up for ethanol, which has come, been, come, come to be known as, uh, we almost lost that industry. Uh, it's very important that, in, in your terminology, you said, uh, uh, if it's not broke it, broken, uh, fix it until it is. Uh, if it's not broken, sometimes government also ignores something until it is. And what can we do as an industry to make sure we don't get ignored the way ethanol got ignored in the 80s and, and suffer uh, the same consequences that they suffered then? Well. I was born in 1965, so I, I take no responsibility for anything that happened in the 70s, especially if I did it. So, <laughs> <laughs> grass, grassroots activism works. I still sign all my letters. I see the letters that come in. I see the faxes that come in. As Colin has pointed out, Kenny's pointed out, Dave's pointed out, you have a large education curve to accomplish with your members of Congress who are generally not the most educable people in the world because when they run for office, they tell you they know it all. That's uh, not always the case, as you can tell from the four of us. <laughs> but, but I assure you, your voice matters. Individual members of Congress are still very receptive to the people. They have to be Republican or Democrat. The people who have served there, especially the longer that they've served, the longer time they've served, the more receptive they are because one thing leads to another. So I would encourage you to go meet with your members, put a face to your name, put a face to the industry, and show them the very type of people who can move America forward in a direction towards renewable fuels. Because one of the corollaries, one of the things that can stop government from breaking something is for government to go to the people who deal with something every day and rely upon their collective wisdom to help show their elected officials, their elected servants, the proper way to go. 
so I would encourage you to do so. And I look forward to receiving some of your letters from anyone here who's from my district. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is an industry that absolutely depends on government support. Any thoughts on what we can do to make sure that that government support doesn't go up and down in sign curves but stays solid and so that we can build an industry here that can be not only renewable and sustainable in the product that it offers but renewable and sustainable in the business at its center? Well, we might have some differences of opinion but uh, on this, but I... Uh, you know, in the uh, ethanol industry, uh, uh, we've got this, uh, you know, credit that acts as a tariff. So we're keeping, <clears throat> to a large extent, eth imported ethanol out of the country with this. I think one of the most important things that we have to do over the next 10 years is make sure that they don't trade that away or uh, get rid of it. There's a big effort that's starting up, uh, trying to convince people that we need to bring in Brazilian ethanol and all that sort of stuff, which is a bunch of baloney. We can play, make plenty of ethanol in this country. And uh, biodiesel, because of the timing of the Uruguay round and so forth, doesn't have that uh, opportunity, and it's frankly probably difficult to get it, uh, given the trying to change these trade agreements. I am concerned. Uh, one thing I'm concerned about is uh, uh, imports of uh, things like palm oil. Uh, we haven't. We've just seen the tip of the iceberg here. I think that's going to blow up into a big issue. Uh, Malaysia and Indonesia are cutting down their forests and planting palm, uh, whatever makes palm oil, I guess palm trees, I don't know. Uh, but it's a very cheap feedstock that uh, we're going to see more and more come in. Uh, so, you know, whatever we can do in those areas to try to protect this industry so we can keep it uh, in America, uh, you know, and keep the opportunity here until we get it stabilized. Now. 10, 15 years from now, we'll probably get in a situation where this is going to be a worldwide traded commodity and so forth. And, and frankly, in 10, 15 years, if the industry hasn't stood up and make an economic sense, uh, you know, then uh, it's probably our fault. Uh, so we not only have to, to have the government support, uh, we've got to uh, look at these dangers from outside. One of the big problems we had in ethanol that caused the problems in the 80s is when the oil companies drove the price down. <clears throat> you know, and I've been a long-time supporter of putting an oil import fee on so that oil would stay at 50 bucks a barrel, so we had some stability. The renewable fuel standard is an important thing because it gives a marketplace out there. Uh, so it's, it's more than just government support. It's also using the power of the government so that we can keep this marketplace uh, viable for this industry to grow because the American people, that's what they want us to do. It's so damaging when there's a backslide in an industry that's taken off like ours is and clearly there's a lot of enthusiasm in our industry and, it, and justifiably so. But boy, are we exposed to the sign curves of government interaction. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, not only that, and I think Joe Joe mentioned this <clears throat> excuse me, earlier and, uh, you know, Actually, the adage that I'd heard about Congress is that if something moves, Washington will regulate it. If it continues to move, then Washington taxes, taxes it. And then if it dies, then Washington will subsidize it. Uh, <laughs> you know, there are some unintended consequences. Obviously, this renewable diesel is an issue that's still out there. There have been a number of us who have chimed in to the Treasury Department saying this whole uh, thermal depolarization process uh, 
you know, we did not intend, Congress really did not intend for us to throw this wide open uh, so that uh, the petroleum industry gets agro-diesel uh, subsidy. Probably from a bigger picture, you know, I, I remember wearing the blue and gold coat of the future farmers of America and reciting the creed, uh, you know, I believe in the future farming. Uh, I really do. I, I mean, I, I see in the past, in the 70s and 80s, I mean, Colin is more senior to any of us here, but this is, I mean, we, we have turned a corner, I think. I think we are seeing a renaissance in American agriculture. I, th I think... Uh, you know, my father started our farm 51 years ago. He's passed on, uh, and now that I'm running that farm, I want to make it so my kids will want to come back to the farm if they want to. And I think that this whole effort on renewable fuels and biofuels, I think, is creating that domestic demand. Uh, it's different than I think than the 70s and 80s. We've got to get the policy right, and we've got to fix what we've broken. Uh, but I really see American agriculture, this renaissance, and I'm, I'm just excited about it. We've talked a little bit about... Thanks. <laughs> we've talked a little bit about uh, the importance of getting the excise tax credit extended. Not only that, we know that we need the farm bill to include support for biodiesel. We know that we have to have government support that's sustainable over the long haul, not just in these two-year increments where we can't really make reasonable capital decisions, but long-term policy. I'd like to turn the tables just a little bit and talk about what clearly is the big issue in uh, the environment and energy globally, which is global warming. Uh, Congress, Congressman Weldon, uh, I'd like to ask you to start this discussion off. Uh, clearly, the, the nation and the world is grappling with a very serious issue, and biodiesel, of course, is a very effective greenhouse gas emission technology. Could you give us uh, your view on what is likely to emerge both from a legislative and policy perspective in D.C., uh, and will you, do you think that... Uh, Technologies like biodiesel are likely to be favored in new regimes going forward. Well, I do. I, I do feel that biodiesel has a great potential to meet the challenge, uh, so to speak. Um, I think one of the things that has really hurt the Kyoto Protocol type approach to global warming uh, was the knowledge uh, that, that is out there that if, if we do nothing, uh, <clears throat> In, in the year 2100, we'll have the same amount of CO2 in the atmosphere um, as... Uh, no, let me correct that. If we adopt the Kyoto Protocol, we will have the same amount of CO2 in the atmosphere by the year 2100 that we will have in the atmosphere in the year 2097 if we do nothing. Uh, so in the end, when you look at that, which clearly favors... Uh, developing countries like China and India over the United States. And when the American people hear that and see that, that it could, in trade and in economic development, hurt us, I think what they really want and what they're really asking is for technology to step in and, and meet the challenge. And there, there are lots of issues out there. And biodiesel is, is actually a very attractive option when you draw a circle around biodiesel and look at it from the beginning to the end of the whole process, 
I think it has the most favorable profile. Uh, and, and so this is clearly an industry that I think can be offered to the American people as a possible part of the solution. It clearly can't be the entire solution, uh, but it can be part of the solution. Uh, we need other technologies to mature and develop. One of the areas that I'm interested in is hydrogen. Um, but, but we have to get away, I believe, from an approach where we're saying, uh, you know, we don't have a solution. We, we have to say there's, there are solutions out there. A lot of them have a lot of promise, and biodiesel happens to be one of them. Other thoughts on the biodiesel global warming connection? Well, the... Um this is going to, you know, whether people like it or not, uh, this, this is going to get to be a bigger issue. Uh, we're already starting to hear discussions uh, in our caucus about, uh, you know, this carbon sequestration, carbon capping, trading, and all that sort of thing. And I'm not sure if, uh, you know, we're going to write the farm bill by uh, July. I'm not sure if, um, if this is going to mature enough by that time. But... Uh, where we're going to know exactly where we're at, but uh, I think going down the road in farm policy, uh, we're going to be looking more at <clears throat> carbon sequestration in uh, the kind of things that we grow. For example, uh, switchgrass, uh, which the president mentioned, uh, uh, we hope to be the next uh, big source of ethanol, uh, uh, one of the feedstocks for cellulosic ethanol sequesters uh, more carbon than almost any other uh, plant that we can grow. And so I think you're going to see a lot of focus on uh, looking at uh, kinds of things we can do in agriculture that are going to sequester carbon rather than emit carbon. Now, as Dave said, biodiesel has got a very great profile in this area, and it's, it's got a lot of potential. It doesn't get drug into these other things, but I think you're going to see, uh, well, we've already got people talking about paying farmers uh, to sequester carbon. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to be looking at that. But Dave is right. If, <laughs> if we don't, uh, if we're not able to get India and China and these other countries, uh, they're putting way more carbon in the atmosphere than we are. And they're growing a lot faster in that regard. And without us getting some kind of a, a handle on those countries, it, it's not going to make a lot of sense for us to destroy our economy or rein our economy in and then let them. Uh, you know, double our trade deficit from where it is today, you know, so uh, but it's going to be an issue it's, um, you know, there's a committee being set up in the Congress to look at this, and uh, there's a division of opinion within the Congress about this, but uh, it's getting to be a bigger and bigger issue with the public and I think it's going to be on our agenda at some point. Congressman McCotter, Congressman Holsoff, any, uh, any thoughts on this huge issue? and how it is likely to play Go out for, for us. Go ahead, Ringo. Mr. Detroit. <laughs> well, to me, it, 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 you know, I, you mentioned the 70s. I grew up and I heard it was, the ice was going to come and it was going to be another ice age, so I've got all these parkas and mufflers and now I've got to go buy a bikini, of it, <laughs> <laughs> which would not be an attractive sight. It, it seems to me that there is enough impetus for biodiesel, for renewable fuels, that whether one agrees with the concept of global warming, A, or the concept that B, human activity is responsible or there's a direct causation, that to me is irrelevant to whether or not one supports renewable fuels. Because I think that any, for whatever reason we can get people to support this effort, 
I think it is, it is worthy, and I don't think we should turn anyone away because of what they agree or do not agree with on any given subject. Again, I come from the auto industry, and I believe renewable fuels and biodiesel are very critical to keeping our auto industry going. And that is why I support this endeavor. There will be others who will support it because of they believe in global climate change. And I would accept their support as much as anybody else because we now have a common cause. We should not look at the individual reasons of why we've collectively come together, but we should just be happy that for once we can agree on something. And I have a question for you, Mr. Moderator. I see that we have duct tape and WD-40 up here. I was wondering who's coming on after us. <laughs> <laughs> just 30 seconds. I, uh, we need your help. Uh, we need you to be involved in the public policy discussion. My challenge to you, I hope everybody here in the room uh, has had some sort of contact with your representative in Congress. Uh, you know, some of you may know your member very well. Maybe you've never felt comfortable to approach your sitting member of Congress. You have to. Uh, I mean, the, the future of this, as bright as it is, depends upon active citizens. Uh, I'm a farm kid. You know, I, I used to walk barefoot down our cotton rows. Now I walk the marble halls of Congress. And uh, I can tell you that, uh, and this is not just my own opinion, but uh, we will continue to fight for the family farm uh, like the farm depends on it uh, because it does. And I'm a proud supporter of, of this industry. Well, those are great final comments. In fact, the, the, uh, the, the last questions were all about what can we do. So. Uh, I don't know that we, anybody could say it any more eloquently than that. So, gentlemen, I'm getting the wrap it up sign, and I want to, before I do, thank you all, not only for the great entertainment. I never thought I would see uh, congressmen playing uh, rock and roll, and it was terrific. And, and so thank you for that. More importantly, thanks what you, for what you do for us every day. We depend on you. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks thank you all. Having.